0: Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as Pastor Jason brings this week's message from our collection of talks, Good Bones. Anybody excited to be at the 5 p.m. fire? It's so good to see see every last one of you in the room. Just remain standing for a moment. I want to get into the Word of God tonight. If you have a Bible with you, which is actually a great thing to still do, is to just bring a Bible with you to church. And I know for a lot of you, it's on your phone or your tablet. You can bring those. Get that out. If you don't have a phone, you don't have a tablet, you don't have a Bible, um, it's all right. We got a big screen hanging right behind me. And they're going to put up 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, just standing in honor of the reading of the word of God. How many of you have your hearts open, ready to receive from the word of God tonight? The Bible says the second Kings chapter 13, verses 20 through 21 said, so Elisha died. Everybody. All right. Hopefully I didn't catch you off guard with that one. Did anybody surprise? Like, I thought he was still living in the Middle East somewhere. And not realized that was coming so quick. It just sort of sudden. So Elisha died. And they buried him, which was a good thing to do. Now, bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen. And the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Just an incredible miracle. Come on, let's pray together tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Our hearts are good ground. We need a move. You compared it in the word of God to to a a, a parched, a, a drought stricken, a dry and thirsty land needing Needing the saturation of rain. And we, we stand before you tonight as the people of God. And we're, 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 like, a, we're like a thirsty land. We're, we're longing for the presence of God. We're hungry for the word of God. We're believing for the things of God. So our hearts are expected. Our minds are focused. Our hearts are ready. And we say, make us better today, God. By your word, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. 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 Come on, you can be seated. I want to take the next four weekends and begin a collection of talks called Good Bones. And just lean into a little bit of the idea of this passage that when Elisha had died and was buried, there was still one more miracle that God was going to do through the bones that he left behind, and in this collection, I know this is confusing. We're going to do a collection called "Good Bones," but I want to do a, I don't I want to do a message in this collection, a talk in this message, in this in this collection called "I've Got Ambition." Has anybody got ambition in the room tonight? I, I want to I want to just talk about about having ambition. And for the next few weekends, I, I want to I spend some time talking about leaving a legacy of miracles, of, of leaving behind a, a church that, that leaves stories and, and faith to believe God for greater things. This legacy is simply passing down from the past into the future something that has value. When you leave a legacy gift, it's, it's a house to your children or a car to those that maybe are your successors or a business that you pass down from one person to an, the next person. But it's just passing something down from the past into the future. And legacy is, is building something today that will impact tomorrow. How, how many of you know that we should build something today that will still have influence tomorrow? That that what we're doing has to be more than just about what we're doing in this moment. And and the way that you leave a legacy for tomorrow is you make the most of today. Because it's it's hard at the end to do something if you haven't done something in the beginning. And in the story we just read, it's... It's from the the life of Elisha, who was a prophet in the Old Testament. And you see the legacy that Elisha left behind. He he left behind one, one more miracle. He left behind one more story of God's power and ability. And what's incredible about this is that it didn't happen in Elisha's lifetime. That what he left behind, it was a miracle that happened after his time was done. When his season was lifted, when his time was gone, there was still a miracle that happened because of the faith that he had. And the, the legacy miracle happened when Elisha had already been buried. Evidently, he'd been, he'd been buried for quite a while. And there were some men who were burying a friend of theirs. They were carrying a body. And an enemy troop began to raid the area they were in. And so they didn't want to be caught without weapons, without being ready to fight. And so they just did a really quick funeral, like, Lord, bless this man, take his body in Jesus' name. And they threw him into the nearest grave that they could find, they're just a tomb. They, they threw it, his body rolls into the grave, and they run because they're running from the enemy. And the next thing they know, they look behind them and their friend is outrunning them, headed back. As soon as his body, is this not incredible? As soon as his body touched the bones of Elisha, come on, there was faith for one more miracle. And he got up and walked out of the grave because of the, because of the life of Elisha. Because a legacy, watch this, a legacy is experienced when you're gone, but it's created while you're alive. It, it's something that's experienced after you're gone, but it's created while you're here. And that's why it's, it's really hard to create a great legacy, because a lot of times the urgent overrides the important, which is why we just sewed this phrase into the life of our church of automating the important, because the urgency of life never, never creates a space for you to sit and think about, like, what, what's the world going to be like after I'm gone? What, what are the things that I'm doing that are eternal? What are the things that I'm doing that are going to impact people that are, are here long after I'm gone? And it, it's sometimes difficult to think about tomorrow because the demands of today are so high. And when we talk about legacy, it's like, man, I got kids to raise. You know what I mean? I got, I got bills to pay. I'm just trying to make it to Friday. Anybody living for the weekend? Just, I'm just trying to make it to the weekend. I'm not concerned about what's going on after my time on earth is done. I'm just trying to get to the place where I make it to a weekend, never mind living for a legacy after I'm gone. But that's where faith comes in. Because legacy is really just living a life of faith. The Bible gives us the definition of faith in Hebrews 11 and 1. And it says this, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the ability to be assured now of something I won't see until later. It's it's the ability to hold on to something that I can't see Knowing that my assurance that it will happen is what's going to cause it to come into fruition. And I, I tend to, in my life, I tend to want to see things and then I'll believe them. Any cynical people in the room? Just a little bit jaded. Just a little bit cynical. I, I want to I see it. And if I see it, I still might be suspect of it a little bit. But if I see it, I can believe it. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. It works works contrary to the cautious nature of people like me. To the people who are guarded, not very trusting, closed off to new experiences, all of those things. Because the kingdom of God isn't if you see it, you can believe it. The kingdom of God is if you believe it, you can see it. That if you can find the faith, To hold on to something before it's ever had a chance to come to pass in your life. That that's where faith lives and that's where legacy lives. Because legacy is a faith journey. It's walking by faith and not by sight. It's it's holding assurance from God. Watch this. That things that I may never see in my lifetime, God will make sure they happen even if they don't happen in my lifetime. That, That I'm holding on to something that by faith... I'm making it possible for the future. It's a powerful thought that I can hold on to something now, just in the faith realm. And the assurance that I can believe for it now is the promise that God will make it happen in the future. And that's legacy. It's holding faith now, believing God will take care of the future. And when we, when we read the Bible, we have the advantage of something. And that is we get to read something instantaneously that took someone's entire life to come to pass. Like you can read in a matter of minutes how Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the wilderness. Like it's like a chapter and a half. You know how long it was for Moses? 40 freaking years. (laughs) He lost his hair. It turned gray. He put on weight. Like it was 40 years. We read it in like five minutes. We read about Joseph in prison. He was in prison possibly up to 10 years. You can read it in a matter of just a few minutes, but for Joseph, it was 10 years of being in a prison somewhere, believing God for something. Because the the problem we have is that we don't realize sometimes that things in the Bible happened over the lifetime of someone's life. That it, it didn't just happen at the end, it began at the beginning. You gotta be careful because sometimes you hear somebody's story, And you think that it happened instantly, but what you don't know is that they spent 20 years in addiction holding on to hope that someday God was going to step in and finally... And so you got to be careful that, 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 you don't just make the mistake of thinking that something is happening instantaneously, because sometimes we go through decades of things and people finally see the fruit of our faith and not realizing that it didn't happen in a moment when we had faith. It happened when everything was going wrong, but we held on to faith for decades, believing that God was going to intervene on our behalf, Man, I feel like preaching, but and here's what happened is we see the miracle of good bones, of, of one final miracle. But his legacy, Elisha's legacy, didn't begin when he died. It began over 60 years before that. Scholars believe that it was 65 years, over 65 years, that Elisha occupied the role of a prophet in, in the nation of, of Israel and he was a young man when he began to ask God for something. When, when he began to believe God for something. And Elijah, Elijah was the one who preceded Elisha. And Elijah was the first prophet. And Elisha served Elijah. And at the end of Elijah's life, Elijah asked a young Elisha, What is it that you would like for me to do for you? And Elisha could have... Asked for something that would have immediately impacted his life. He could have asked for something that would have had an immediate response to it. That, that would have changed his life. But I want you to notice what Elisha asked for in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9-10. through 10. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You've asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall not be so for you. It shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. The legacy of Elisha didn't begin in the grave when the miracle happened. The legacy of Elisha began when he asked for a double portion of what was on Elijah. Because he could, asked, he could have asked for the mantle which he would ultimately receive. It was an outer cloak that Elijah wore. And it was, it was the sign and symbol of, of the prophet and the role that Elijah was on. And he could have said, I want your place. But he didn't ask for his place. He asked for a double portion of what God put on his life. Big difference. A big difference between wanting to fill someone else's place and wanting a double portion of what God put on their life. He could have asked for the mantle, but he asked for something else. He asked for a double portion of what was on Elijah. And I want to give you three ways to create a legacy in your life. And I I want to believe this, not just for us as individuals, but I really want to preach this into the heart and the life of our church. Of how to build a church that leaves good bones. That leaves a legacy of miracles. Number one is this. It's just a phrase that you hear us use often because it's part of our Coast Life Code. And number one is you just got to believe big. You got to believe big. Believe God for big things. It's, it, it's one of our core values is that we are people of unreasonable faith. That, that we don't believe God for reasonable things. We believe God for unreasonable things. Because the God that we serve is too big to limit him to small thinking. And one writer said it this way, he said, we shouldn't have small ambitions for a big God. I love that. We shouldn't have small ambitions for a big God. And sometimes it's difficult, and it's really more difficult than you can imagine to believe big. Like, it it seems like that should be a, a really small thing to believe big. But it's really important because number one is faith honors God, and God honors faith. That if we can believe big, God honors that kind of faith. But it's challenging sometimes to believe big. Like sometimes, sometimes believing big challenges us. And one of the reasons it challenges us is believing big challenges our need for control. Because as long as things stay small, we can control how they go. I love what Craig Groeschel says. He says, you can have growth or you can have control, but you can't have both. And, and sometimes when something grows, it naturally becomes larger. And if, as things naturally grow larger, they naturally go beyond what we have the ability to control. And oftentimes what happens is as things begin to, to take off, like the need for control in our lives begins to to sabotage the things that are going on because it begins to challenge the sense of loss of control when something begins to grow larger. It's what happens in our lives. As as people start to rise in their faith and begin to believe God for great things, there's always small people that try to sabotage big things. And as you begin to rise, as you begin to believe God for big things, there's people that were benefiting from your smallness who are challenged because they no longer have a control over your life because something else is being elevated in your life. And I want to tell you that at some point in our lives, we have to make the decision that we will brave the unknown to go beyond what it is that we have the ability to control. Because I promise you, growth is going to create chaos in your life. Growth is going to challenge your calendar. Growth is going to challenge everything about you. It's going to test your character. It's going to put you in difficult places where you're not comfortable with where God is taking you. And at some point we have to just release the control of our world into the hands of the God who's big enough to control the entire world and say, I'm going to believe you for great and mighty things. I don't know if I have the ability to handle it. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm capable enough of it. And I know that there's people that are sabotaging and wanting me to stay small and sowing negative thoughts in of my life. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep walking by faith and not by sight. And I'm going to trust that the God that holds the universe can hold my world together and that whatever I can't control, God can control because I'm not in control of outcomes. I'm in control of obedience. God is in control of outcomes. And I want to tell you why it's healthy to believe big because believing big is an act of surrender in your life. And I I wonder sometimes how many people, maybe not consciously, keep their lives small. But you can't maintain preference and have growth at the same time. You, You can't maintain control and see God do greater things in your life. That it's an act of surrender to relinquish your life to believe God for greater things. Believing big is challenging because it, it, it challenges the enough mentality. We, we live in a world where people either have, have a, a scarce view of the world. They, they see the world as scarce. They see it as a place of lack. And then there is the, the enough mentality. Like, it, it, is it ever going to be Enough. And when Elisha makes his request, he's asking something that is unreasonable. Like it's, it's completely unreasonable because he's asking for a double portion. Now I want you to think about this. If someone's leaving a legacy in the physical, they're leaving behind a legacy gift. It would be like a son and they know their parents only have one house It would be like them saying, hey, why don't you give me two houses? And they're like, well, we can give you the one we've got. Instead of leaving me the one car you have, can you give me the second car that you don't have? What he's asking, you can't give somebody a double portion. You can only give the portion you've got. He's asking something unreasonable. He's asking something that he knows that Elijah can't give him. He's not asking for Elijah to give him something. He's asking for God to do something that only God can do, not what Elijah could do for him. And I think sometimes we live in an enough mentality and the enough mentality will cause you to only want what other people have and it'll cause you to only want what you can see in the natural and you'll just believe for what is just, just enough. But I believe that God would want us to break that off of us and not believe for what we can see in the natural, but believe what we can see only by the eyes of faith, that our God is greater, that our God is more than enough, that we should have the audacity to believe God, not for one portion, but to ask him for a double portion, that we should be people of unreasonable faith and expectation who don't believe that what this world can hand us is all that there is. But there is a God of heaven that owns the entirety of the spanse of the universe and what is in earth is only a small glimpse of what he owns in heaven and that heaven does not have lack and there is no scarcity in the kingdom of God and with men it may be impossible but with God all things are possible and we should come back to an Ephesians 3:20 faith that says now with him that there is something that is exceedingly and abundantly above what we could ask think or imagine according to the power that's on the inside of us the problem we have isn't of asking God too much, it's of asking God of not enough. It's only based on what other people have or what other people have done. The faith of Elijah was to believe God for greater things, it was unreasonable. And believing, believing big challenges us because we don't want to look foolish. We don't want to look foolish. I, I think there's just something powerful. That happens when you're put in the position of stating plainly what it is that you're believing God for. Come on, the world doesn't treat dreamers very well. If you don't believe me, ask Joseph. Doesn't treat dreamers very well. If you if you I promise you that there would be some embarrassment to it to begin to to stand in front of people. And begin to say what was really in your heart without a filter. That this is what I would love to see my life become. I I wonder sometimes how how much we tone it down because we're afraid of looking foolish. (laughs) When we we started Coast Life Church, this was now closing in on 10 years. One of the things I did, which I'm conflicted about. Can I just tell you about my confliction? I'm a man of confliction. I, I promise you. I'm conflicted about and I don't know that I would advise anybody to do this, but I'm just going to tell you my story. When we began coast life and every, every, every church guru and every consulting person that works in the church world would tell you not to do this. When we started coast life with 12 people, we said we were going to reach a thousand people in five years. We just threw a number out there. I just thought, why don't we just believe God for a thousand people that would find abundant life in Christ, that would find, find freedom in their life, that would, that would join together, find the purpose on this earth, and that, that a thousand of us would live to make a difference in this community. It just, it just seems so powerful to me, but to, to throw it out there to 12 people, that we're going to believe God for a thousand. And then I went ahead just because I'm not stupid enough, I went ahead and put a timeline on it. Like five years, five years, we're going to reach a thousand people. And can I tell you that in five years, we did not reach a thousand people, but we did reach about 700 people. And we saw a lot of people come to Christ. And I don't know where we'd be today if we hadn't have just set a clear expectation that we're not here to stay under 20 people. And we're not here to stay with 12 people. We're here to reach people for Jesus Christ. And I look back on it and and I would have looked so foolish and maybe in the eyes of some people we did look foolish when five years rolled around and we still weren't at where we wanted to be but can I tell you after 10 years a thousand is a bad weekend for us because what seemed foolish is now normal to us and I think sometimes we just need to realize that God's called us to be fools for faith like go ahead and say it what you're believing for go ahead and identify it and don't back down from it because God uses the foolish things to confound the wisdom of the world. And sometimes you just need to be a fool for Christ and believe God for great and mighty things. Jesus said something. He said, according to your faith, Matthew nine, he told a person, he said, according to your faith. And we think sometimes the will of God is just this this emphatic will of God. Listen, there are some things you can't change about the will of God. It's the will of God for us to pray. It's the will of God for us to read the Bible. It's the will of God for us to obey those things in the word of God. But can I tell you that there's also some things about the will of God that aren't shaped by what God said. Sometimes there's things that are shaped by what we say and we need to learn that according to your faith, it will be and we need to rise up and have some kingdom ambition to believe God for some great and mighty things. Here's the second way to leave a legacy, and this is really important, is you've got to attach your ambition to something greater than yourself. When I I drop a phrase like, I've got ambition, somewhere over the course of this weekend, probably not in this room. This room is really smart. I can tell. (laughs) You guys have it all together. But somewhere over the course of one of these four services, somebody's going to think ambition is a bad thing. The Bible tells us not to have ambition. Somewhere there's somebody that has, not, not this room, you guys are amazing, but somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, somebody's believing that, that the Bible speaks negatively of having all of that ambition stuff. Listen, it took ambition for Elisha to ask God for a double portion. That's, that's called ambition. Like, I, Elijah, you were great, but I want God to do even greater things in my life and ambition is a good thing and watch this ambition is a godly thing paul said this in romans 15 and 20 he said and thus i make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where christ has already been named lest i build on someone else's foundation this was the ambition of paul god didn't tell him to do this he didn't read it in the bible and the bible told him to do this This was just something he wanted to accomplish in his life. You you, you tracking with me? He wanted to go and preach somewhere where the name of Jesus had never been heard before. And he said, my ambition isn't to go around where churches have been established. My ambition is to go everywhere the gospel hasn't been preached and be the first one to preach it there. What an incredible ambition. It's not an ambition about himself. It's an ambition to do something great for God. He had ambition. Where we get into trouble is when a different type of ambition comes into our life. Because the Bible says this again, this is Paul, Philippians 2, 3, it said, do nothing from self, selfish ambition or conceit. The Bible doesn't condemn ambition, it warns us to avoid selfish ambition. We need ambition, because without ambition, we get passive. Without ambition, we get complacent. Without ambition, we get apathetic. Without ambition, we don't pray. Without ambition, we don't need a miracle. Without ambition, we don't need a move of God. And some of us need a better prayer life, but part of having a better prayer life is getting some ambition to believe God for greater than you're experiencing right now. God never called called His church to be passive. I need a better amen than that. God, God never called His people to be complacent. He's called us to be content, but he hasn't called us to be complacent. God God never called us to be apathetic. Ambition is either good or bad. what What determines whether ambition is good or bad is what you attach it to. If you attach it to yourself, your world gets smaller because everything in the world becomes about you. Watch this. If you attach your ambition to the kingdom of God, everything about your life gets better and bigger because the kingdom of God is expansive. And now i got to run through this quickly. You can tell the difference between ambition and selfish ambition. You ready for this? Selfish ambition is always striving. Ambition is always serving. You can tell when somebody has selfish ambition, they're always striving. Come on, you see them on social media. They're going Facebook Live every five minutes. Uh, They're paying to have their posts promoted. It's not enough for them to just share with the people that are actually interested in them. They're constantly having to pay to try to get attention. It's the person who's always trying to get in with a boss. It's always pushing, looking for opportunity. It's funny because I'm a lead pastor of a church. I've done that for for 10 years. And oftentimes people come into the church to tell me what they do. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's great. I'm so glad that's what you do. Now let me tell you what we do. Because if you want to rise at Coast Life, don't tell me what you do. Show up and ask me, what can I do? And we'll just see that God begins to promote you in your life. Like I I don't want anybody striving. I don't want anybody trying to elbow their way into an opportunity and trying to get ahead of somebody else. God's not looking for people who are striving. That's not grace-filled. God's looking for people who are serving. And when they're serving and they've got faith in their heart and they're believing God for great and mighty things, those are the people that God elevates and raises up in their life. Healthy ambition is always serving. Striving says I'm entitled. Serving says I'm entrusted. Striving feels like I'm owed something. Serving realizes I'm not owed anything, but I'm entrusted with everything. That I've been given opportunity, that God's given me life, that God's given me His promises, that God's given me opportunities to serve and be faithful. Entitled ultimately ends up being opportunistic, just chasing opportunities. Entrusted leads us to being faithful. Elisha, I, I gotta stop, I'm already out of time. Uh, Elijah gave gave Elisha three different opportunities to leave before he received the mantle. And if he would have felt entitled, he would have said, I'm done with you. I'll go get my own anointing and I'll go get what God has for me. But Elisha understood that what's on him, I want it to be on me and I'm not entitled to it, but I am entrusted with an opportunity that if I'm faithful and I'm not chasing opportunities and I'm not striving in my life and I'm not trying to elbow anybody else out and I'm not trying to make myself the biggest person in the room, I'm actually just trying to be faithful to serve and where God calls me to serve, that if I'm faithful there, at some point when Elijah goes up, the mantle's going to come down. And when the mantle comes down, if I've been faithful, I can receive a double portion of what God put on Elijah. Selfish ambition wants what other people have. Ambition is inspired by other people to believe that what God did in the lives of others, he can do in us. A big difference. Our culture needs to learn this. That you can't have what somebody else has. And not pay a price for it. You can have what somebody else has if you're willing to pay the price they paid to get it. That, that you, can't, you can't get to a place of blessing without taking the same the same avenue of serving that God put on them. The selfish ambition is when our will takes precedence over God's will. I've never seen anybody do anything great for God and not pay a price for it. Not have to move from one place to another place. Leave, leave the comfort of their confinement. And stretch into bigger places and bigger things be in a place where it was completely uncomfortable for them for a season, whether it was walking through a season of extreme sacrifice or just feeling like they're weighing over their heads. Let me tell you something. The will of God will cost you something. But what it's doing is it's removing every bit of selfish ambition out of you, but it's giving you kingdom ambition to believe God for great and mighty things. Here's the third way to leave a legacy, is realize faith doesn't die. We've got an expiration date, but our faith doesn't. Our faith doesn't have an expiration date. Elisha died of a sickness, the Bible says. It It was an illness that was meant to transition him from this life to being with God. It's one of the mysteries of the miraculous, one writer said. And that he got miracles for everybody else. But in this situation, he wasn't going to get his miracle. That God was transitioning him. He dies. His body is buried. And sometime later, we read it, the funeral procession of another man is interrupted by an invading troop of people. And they throw his body into the grave. And there's one more miracle left in the bones of Elisha. And when the man rolls and touches the bones of Elisha, he comes back to life. Rises up to new life. And I I just pray, I pray something over our church. I pray that we have, I pray that we have kingdom ambition. An ambition that believes God to do great things. That maybe someday, maybe someday... We've, we've built one building, but could we believe that God's going to enable us to build another building, and another building, and another building? And, and we've got one location with four services, but could we believe God and just be ambitious to believe that God will give us another location with four services, and another location with four services, and just believe God that together we could build something that, that's got good bones to it. that We could build something that isn't just about us and our generation, but it's about something greater than us that that God has called us I know that buildings aren't anything they're not the church but they are a tool that the church can leave behind for another generation listen we didn't build that building over there somebody else did and now children are coming to Christ in that building not on what we did but because of what somebody else did and here's what I believe you ready for this I believe that after all of our time is done that somewhere there will be a building that Coast Life Church built and some friends are going to be dragging their friend because he's being a and they're going to drag him into one of the buildings that we built, and there's still going to be some praise from our generation left in that building, and there's still going to be some faith in that building, and there's still going to be some prayers that were prayed in that facility and there's still going to be some word of god hanging in that place and when they drag that friend that friend's going to come to new life in jesus christ because we left a legacy of miracles because we believe god for great come on give god went to the grave with incomplete faith not seeing the fullness of what he believed God for and depending on how depending on how you define a miracle you can define it different ways so if you go out and study and like fact check my message you're going to find different stuff about this okay I'm just preparing you if you go google this not everybody's going to agree with what I'm about to say I'm right they're wrong Depending on how you define a miracle, there's different numbers out there is what I'm trying to tell you. Elijah did seven miracles in his lifetime. He was used by God's power to do seven miracles. Elisha in his lifetime did 13 miracles. He asked God for a double portion and he asked God for more than he was able to do and he went to the grave with unfulfilled faith, believing God for greater things. And I want to tell you this, that we are the people of 13, that maybe we're only able to do 13. That's all we're able to do is we're able to do what God's empowered us to do. And maybe we'll do 13 miracles because we're people that inevitably fall short and we don't have the ability to make things happen the way we want to make them happen. And we may be people of 13, but how many of you know He's the God of 14? That He's not the God... That will leave you lacking because he that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we may be people of 13, but we serve the God of 14. And he's a God that honors faith, and he's a God that honors what we believe. And I may not see it in my lifetime, but I'm going to leave a legacy of miracles, believing God for great and mighty things. Come on, let's fill this place. Hey, thank you for joining us, and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible, and you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening, and God bless you.